Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. you can learn about yourself from that. Because I certainly have some systems that continue to work well and are easy to maintain and others where it seemed good in in the original onset of it, but something changed about the quantity of supplies, how I use the supplies, and the habits that I had surrounding getting things to that home or putting them back into the home. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 105. In this episode, I'm joined by Kim Edson to reflect on the past month and explore what's new for March. This is our monthly peek behind the scenes at Simple Scrapper. Hey, Kim, how are you? I am doing well. Yourself? I am doing pretty good overall, too. We have tons and tons of snow, and I imagine you guys do as well. Yes, it is kind of endless. The big thing this week was cold. So the girls had a couple late starts for extreme cold. I think Tuesday morning, our wind chill was 35 below. So that's kind of brutal. And my chickens are now in a little corner of my garage because we were concerned they were going to get frostbite. So we're just rolling with it. Oh, that's so fascinating. (laughs) We have to make sure the chickens are always safe for sure. Well, and the thing is, I don't know, like winter weather care for chickens is quite controversial. You would not think so, but it gives you a whole new appreciation for people with like actual livestock and animals to care for beyond like three hens. So, but they seem to be loving it out there. So um, hopefully this week we're supposed to be back up into like the 30s and lows of like 20s. So we'll transition them back out to nature. Um, but they seem to be, they seem to have adapted. So that's good. I am, uh, I'm looking forward to a little bit of warmer temperatures because, you know, even when it's in the thirties, I will just go out with like a vest and a long sleeve shirt and, you know, I'm not going to spend much time outside, but I'll go get the mail or go run an errand. But now I'm like fully bundled up all the way. So, well, and I've always just kind of used the guideline for years where I mean, kids elementary school, if it was a wind chill, like was above 10 degrees or higher, they would go out for recess. So I figured if like a bunch of like six-year-olds could do that, like I could as well. So that's usually (laughs) kind of my gauge is would the elementary school students be at recess? Yes. So I can go outside too. All right, Kim, what is exciting you right now in scrapbooking? I got my December 2020 album ordered this week. So I'm very excited about that. I ordered a mix book this time. I've not used them before, but I know they were um, a favorite of many of our digital scrapbooker members. Um, So I'll be excited to see when that comes. And then one little tidbit, 
that Gretchen Rubin had on um, one of her podcast episodes where she talked about the idea of searching online for former homes. So, or like where you lived previously. So even if it's not currently on the market, oftentimes there would be pictures from, you know, past listings. And so I searched for our very first home when we were first married and it actually sold in March of last year. And there were just, I don't know, like several dozen interior pictures. And it was so fun to see what had changed and what was still the same. And we had done some remodeling at our house. So it was fun to see what has, you know, you know, 20 years later is still there. So that was super exciting. So if you are looking to do a story about, you know, somebody in a membership was talking about doing their grandmother's home or maybe like their mom's childhood home or something, and they didn't have pictures. And so definitely like throw it out there online and see what you find. It was super fun. Yes. I have kind of paid attention to my house in Maryland and its changes over the years. And the last owner owned it for like 18 months. And so it was pretty clear it was a flip and they took down a wall and completely remodeled the kitchen and remodeled the bathroom. And it was just so crazy to see. I mean, this is a 720 square foot house. There was not a lot of space to work with, um, but it was just super fascinating to see that listing. So, yeah. Well, and even if you can't, if it's not interior pictures, like our another home we had, there were not interior pictures, but you could do Google maps, like street view. And so we could see like, wow, like that fence we put up is still there. And like some of the landscaping we had done and um, like they switched the roof line on the little patio thing. And I don't know. So it was just kind of a nice walk down memory lane. Oh, for sure. What are you excited about? For me, I am excited about organization. We are kind of shifting here now into our organization journey. I have been doing some little space tweaks um, I've, I've long talked about how I, I want to have my area for filming YouTube videos, but I didn't like having my lights above my desk. I felt like I was in a, a very bright cave. It was both claustrophobic and, and just frustrating. And so I'd, I'd move the, the lights over to the side of the room, but they were kind of always in the way. And I did some strategic brainstorming with a friend and we were able to figure out a new setup and I, I, it's just a kind of a small tweak, but I moved the orientation of the table and it feels good now. And I've got my printer further away because my printer was taking up a lot of my flat surface. And so now I've been able to change things so that I have more flat surface, which of course is always like the priority for a scrapbooker is I need space to put things and do things. Well, that sounds really smart because yeah, while you need access to the printer, it's not like you need that all of the time, just occasional. So you can yes. leave your chair to go get something from the printer, but it's nice to have that space, that working space available. Correct. I don't need the printer within arm's reach. It's just not, and it, it's not like it was totally in arm's reach before, but I could literally touch it. And now it's another arm length away for sure. Awesome. And then I've also, oh, go ahead. No, you're good. Go forth. I've also purchased a few little acrylic containers and by a few, it's a lot. And um, I'm going to be reorganizing my die cut embellishments, maybe some other types of embellishments too. But this is really a kind of a die cut focused project. Because as much as I love my little baggy pockets, 
I have just, I have too many now and I could no longer find them all together. Um, Organized by collection, my brain was like, okay, I don't know what's in this collection. I know that I like citrus twist and so I'd start to look for citrus twist ones, but that doesn't mean they're going to have the thing that I want in it at all. So, um, well, I think those going off. Oh, (laughs) it's quite the day. Um, I would say that a lot of times it's like the smallest tweaks that have the biggest impact. Yes. So I am really looking forward to this kind of reorganization project. I'm planning on filming all or part of it. We'll see how we can do because it's, it's going to be a couple stages here, but I'm hoping that this is going to be what I need to actually be using my die cuts all the time. Because it is a supply that I really enjoy using, but if I don't know what I have, and that's kind of the situation that I'm in, is that my storage is too too, too closed, too much effort to get to, the, uh, to making the choice. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to have that choice effort. We want to like say, okay, I want that thing, and I want to find that type of thing. And so I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Ooh, interesting. That'll be fun to follow. Yeah. And I will have to admit that a lot of the episodes that are coming up uh, in March and beyond have really influenced a lot of my interest in organization. We're doing this whole podcast series coming up and these conversations are so awesome. Such a diversity of strategies for both kind of creative process and how things are stored. And this is kind of a hashtag sorry, not sorry, because there's a little bit of enabling going on. And you guys are going to love all the ideas. So I'll leave it at that for now. But there's so much good stuff coming. Well, good. You know, I'm always on board for any organization project. So yes, for sure. All right. Let's talk bucket list. What is one story you want to tell? So this is one that, again, I feel like all of these are just these sagas, but it's kind of been developing, I would say, over the past couple of decades, really. So it's this identity of how, or this concept of how I identify myself. So it kind of goes back to when I first got married and I took my husband's last name, but I felt very much this sense of, not like defensiveness, but almost like a loyalty to my family from like growing up. So like in my mind, I still identified as a Haman, which was my maiden name. And I would say probably for like a few years, like I just did not think of myself as an Edson. You know, I married into that, like, but that's not like who I was as a person. And then just like over the years, how it has evolved now, like I have this like new view of myself as an Edson, but it's not almost even like necessarily as, I mean, obviously part of my husband's family, but almost that like we have our own family. It's like the new branch on the family tree. So, yeah, no, I feel like I'm still kind of working out exactly how that evolution or like how like my thoughts of it have come along through the years. But I feel like it's come up it's several times. And it's just like the oddest ways. Like a few years ago, um, we had some work. I don't know. It was like a plumber or somebody was here. And I had to sign like an invoice. And I very, I signed my name like using my maiden name. So it was just like where did that come from? Like very randomly, right? (laughs) Like, okay, so that was odd. Um, So, and I think this could also translate to not just like from a family perspective, but also right from like friends or just any kind of version of how you think about your identity, I guess. Um, So definitely 
still kind of coming to terms with what the story is going to be, but I want to tell something along about that transition, I guess. Well, I think that's an important kind of uh, self-awareness process to see, to start looking at how does that feel and how has that changed over time? You know, there's always that, that I don't know, the, the trope of, you know, Mrs. Edson or Mrs. Wilson, that's not me, yeah. that's my mother-in-law. Yeah. And, you know, at what point does that, do you take on that identity and how much time passes before you really feel that? Well, and also I think to very much a generational thing, right? Like mm-hmm. working in pharmacy, a lot of times we'd have older customers and they would identify as, right, like Mrs. Daniel Edson. Like they weren't, like they were a wife oh. and a spouse. They weren't necessarily, yeah. I don't know, like their own person. So I don't know if it's so much like a generational thing or a cultural thing as well. Um, and also like when we first got married, I remember one of my husband's grandmother had said that I could call her grandma. And I was like, I have, I have my grandma. It's like, you know, <laughs> um, like very dear woman, but it was just kind of, I think coming to terms with how I viewed myself and my place just like in within that family and like that community. So I don't, like I said, still evolving, but definitely something that I want to get told. Well, I think that there's something with that generational thing. Cause growing up, I always thought that, you know, you were not writing a proper envelope if you were addressing a married woman by her, that included her first name. But I can say to you, I have never received an envelope that said Mrs. Jennifer Wilson, or sorry, Mrs. Steve Wilson ever. Yeah, I don't know that I have either. So I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. All right. What story are you itching to tell? So I've been working on kind of the series of layouts this year and kind of the it's an interesting intersection of bucket list stories and a specific project. And and the original intent was like 21 stories. I want you to know um, in a certain way, it's kind of an extension of my before your story project. So these are stories about me and a lot of the like growing up in certain phases of my life that I want Emily to know. And I, I realized I wanted to do a specific page or maybe even a bigger project about kind of what you should know about having a baby. And I think that, this may, might connect and help me kind of finish some of my work on Emily's baby book as well. Um, and so I'm, I've just been thinking about this thing. Like I have a hard time even remembering. I've been talking to Steve about it. He remembers so much more because this was, you know, third time around for him. And so he was just had so much awareness and comparison of, of his journey with Emily versus um, his sons. And I just kind of want to reflect and, and, you know, uh, you know, everything willing. I hope that I'm around when Emily, if she chooses to have a child, I'm around for that. But, you know, there's still a chance that I might not be. And I want to kind of pass on some of that, the wisdom of what I learned from, from her babyhood, I guess. So. And also interesting is the idea of how much you kind of learn as you go. Right. I know. I remember my husband asking me questions about the girls. I was like, how am I supposed to know? Like I haven't had children before. Um, though I will say I did have the leg up because I had taken like a child development course in college. So I did have that, but still, uh, when you're in the throes of it. Yeah. So there's what you should know, but I also think like also the other flip of like how much you don't know when you have a baby. Well, I think that's the, that's really kind of the, the main point I wanted to make is that there is 
really at no point in being a parent, at least thus far for me, nine years, that you really feel like you know what you're doing. No. That's the big secret of being an adult is you never actually really feel like an adult. You still feel like you're just making it up as you go along. Um, and I think that... I don't know if I really received that message growing up. And I'm sure my mom's going to listen to this and said, well, I tried to tell you. But, you know, of course, as as teenagers and early adults, we don't necessarily listen. Um, but, yeah, you just you don't. Everything feels like a grand experiment, especially being a parent. Well, because it's a two sided situation for sure. Right. Because there's what your experience of it, but also Emily's experience of it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And she's growing so, yeah. and changing and all that goes with that. Oh, for sure. And there's never going to be, I mean, no, every child is different and have unique needs. And, you know, we were just talking last night about how well she slept through the night so quickly and, you know, little things that I would do to soothe her. And, but she was just generally a happy, you know, easily adjustable baby who slept well all the time and really just slept all the time. Whereas Brennan, my, my younger stepson, he didn't sleep through the night until he was like 18 months old and he had a lot of health issues and, uh, was kind of a, a fussy baby and it's just a huge contrast there as well. So well, that will be interesting to see. Yeah. All right. So let's kind of recap this habits journey. This was our first journey, our two month exploration of a topic. I love how we picked kind of this broad topic and the way that members kind of took up the cause to support one another and share their own experiences to to set goals and reflect on them and I've just it's been so great I think I'm glad that we started the year with the habits journey because I think this is one that is just going to continue to evolve and people are making tweaks on their habits and not even necessarily related to creativity or scrapbooking but just their everyday life habits uh, there was some discussion within the group about how, you know, this one point was going well, but this other one wasn't. And so they're able to kind of reevaluate what maybe what tweaks they could make to help make that easier. And I just feel like what was so apparent to me is how many layers there are to mm. habits. So either forming habits or breaking habits. And then also that whole idea of one of our members, Amy was talking about drinking more water and she came to the realization that the habit wasn't necessarily drinking the water. It was filling the water bottle, right? So you have to start with yes. filling the water bottle and then you go to the, the next step. And so it really is the idea of the, the atomic habit about the tiny, tiny little tweaks and changes and how they build to create something bigger. Yes. It's been, I think, so insightful. And I think that's why it's so important to keep coming back to the habits conversation is because kind of every time you circle back, you learn something new about yourself, about uh, what habits that have worked and which ones haven't, and you know it's there's just certainly this this cycle, and I think it's it's just you know obviously starting the year off makes sense as well, and I'm looking forward to kind of our next cycle through habits again because I think we're just going to keep growing and growing together. And I also think timing is important somewhat. So I have not really made any big changes in my habits. Because uh, I've been busy with the vaccinations, and so mm-hmm. I just knew that at this point in time, this is not where I would necessarily want to add 
on something new, but I did make some tweaks like with my exercise habits. So I paired two activities together and found that to be successful. So I think timing is important, but there's also, I think if you really look at situations, there's always like those small tweaks that you can make. So I think it's kind of, I guess it's like a catch 22, right? Like at some point timing is very, very important. We read the book when they talked about a lot of that, but also to recognize that the likelihood of there being a perfect time is also maybe not realistic. So it's, again, it's a balance between, I guess, giving yourself grace and being realistic. Um, and then that balance of like challenging yourself to make those changes. Oh, a hundred percent. So I have this fun uh, kind of anecdote to share related to one of our members. So Alyssa Williams has been on a number of podcast episodes. We love to talk about like our planner journeys. And we were talking about she was trying to break this habit of stopping to get a chai latte kind of when she was running errands or on the way to work because she didn't like the expense of it. She didn't she was trying to avoid caffeine, um, didn't want the extra calories. And so we were talking about breaking that habit. But then it, it came up that she at the same time, she was trying to kind of set up her work routine a little bit different um, so that she could get to work earlier. But she was having trouble kind of feeling a, a personal incentive to do that. And so I said, well, what hap- What if we kind of replace what you consider the bad habit with a positive habit? And could you buy your own decaf chai latte mix um, to have at work so that you could have ah. a latte, a chai latte that feels like a treat. You can customize, you know, the nutrition of it. You can make it caffeine free. And this gives you a kind of a way to create a new morning ritual that will make it feel more uh, attractive to get to work early. So I this, this is this kind of, you know, it took really talking very minutely and specifically about this and then also noticing uh, the opportunity um, of something else, a habit she was trying to, to form um, to be able to put these things together. But I think this is just an, an awesome example of how this, this habits journey has kind of helped and, and, and ta- how talking about it can help you make s- s- substantive, but, but small changes that do add up to a lot. Well, and I think there is another component there since she was changing up her work schedule was almost like the blank slate too. So in some ways that new pattern or new work schedule was giving her an opportunity to maybe change up what she saw as as the bad habit, right? So there's, again, so many layers involved to that. But also the idea of talking through things is the whole concept of that habits are in their nature, things you don't necessarily think about, right? So you're just going through the motions because it's a habit and you've done this many times before. So I think it takes that pause or that conversation to maybe evaluate what you are doing and how maybe you could do it differently. Oh, 100%. All right, let's shift gears now to organization. Um, I have kind of a couple conversational questions for us just to kind of check in. And I already mentioned a little bit of the stuff that I'm working on. So Kim, what organizational systems are working well for you right now? So I will say from a paper side of things, so I've been transitioning to digital, but I still, for many years when I was paper or hybrid scrapbooking, 
your comment about using the baskets or the containers, that was very something that, something I had a lot of success with. So I would have these very shallow, small baskets, and I would sort my embellishments by a mix of methods. So I had kind of general color baskets. So there'd be like green slash blue, red slash pink, whatever. And then, but I would also have a couple baskets for my most commonly used manufacturers because I found I would use a lot of the same company's collections. And I liked that many times across collections, things would coordinate. Or if it was like my newest product, I would go there first because I was very excited about using it. And then I could, as they maybe got newer collections or I was shifting to other manufacturers, I would transition those from that manufacturer basket to my colored baskets. So it was really... Again, it was not just one single approach. It was combining different approaches that I found to be most helpful. And the idea of the baskets was, one, you talked about not having the barriers to access them. For me, it was the mm. barrier for cleanup. Because when I would try like the baggy method or some different methods, it was so tedious to do the cleanup that I wouldn't. And then I would just have a mess. So with these, it was easy. To just, you just like wipe everything into the basket and sort it really quickly by color or by manufacturer. And so that was very easy. So that helped me maintain the system. So I think it was a matter yes. of easy to use, but also easy to maintain. You know, that is so important. And I think that relates to one of the things that's worked well for me. And it's almost like a non-organization thing, but I keep my washi tape in a basket now. And actually I have a separate little bin just for Christmas washi tape, but all of my kind of current washi tape is in a basket. And for a long time, I tried to like sort it and stack it and have it organized. And I'm like, I don't like to, I don't want to put it back the way it was because it's, mm -hmm. there's, it takes effort. Like I had it like stacked by color at a certain point. And it looked beautiful in the background of my videos, but I never wanted to actually make those stacks. And it would actually prevent me from choosing and using a washi tape because I didn't want to have to put it back later. Which is stupid, <laughs> you know. The no. whole point of having supplies is to use them. You well, you talk about the idea of what is like the least amount of organization that can achieve your goals, and I think that's a yes. very good example of it. Is you know where the washi tape is? Can you easily access the washi tape you want? Yeah, you just rustle through the basket. Can you put it back after you're done? Yes, you just throw it in the basket. So it's yes. kind of that minimum level of organization. Well, I, think, I just think that's that's so much what we need to be thinking about is, you know, what will keep this accessible for me. And that's going to be different for everyone because some people have great memories and can know exactly what's in a drawer and others need some sort of visual cue or a label or transparency of the drawer or basket um, to just know yourself. And then what is the the easiest way that I can contain and put this in a place that will make it accessible and not difficult to access. And then, as you said, also put away um, because there's a lot of things that make it easy to access, but then if it's really cumbersome to put it away, you're not going to put it away. <laughs> well, and that kind of brings me to a point about digital organization. And we can talk about this a little bit later because it's maybe something that I need to tidy up right now in my um, yeah. digital world. But I did find a lot of success where I basically created a collection in Lightroom for the preview images of digital supplies that I had. So if I was looking for something, I'd be like, okay, I want a green paper. I could just pull open that Lightroom collection and just scroll through the previews. And that would at least give me a direction where I wanted to go. And then 
also like those are linked within my Lightroom catalog. So I could basically, it would tell me exactly what collection it was so I could easily find it so I could use it. Um, but I will say the caveat to that is you, if you have a system, you need to maintain it. And I have not necessarily been doing that. So. Well, and also I think from that you can, if you have a system that has not been maintained, like you can learn about yourself from that. Um, Cause I certainly have some systems that work, continue to work well and are easy to maintain and others where it seemed good in, in, in the original onset of it, but something changed about the quantity of supplies, how I use the supplies. Um, and you know, the, the habits that I had surrounding getting, getting things to that home or putting them back into the home. Yeah, definitely the process behind that makes mm-hmm. a difference. It's all the, the different steps along the ways. It's not just the, the input and the output. There's a lot of things in the middle. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I think this connects well and follows on well to our habits journey by going into organization now, because, you know, even just the, even if we didn't work on organization habits, we now have new skills and building and keeping and forming and tweaking our habits that can inform how we organize and and stay organized going forward. I think that's the key, the last part, stay organized, because otherwise you're just chasing your tail, right? You're just doing it over and over yeah. again. You don't learn from it. So Kim, what is one type of supply that you know you need to organize? Right now, it would probably be my digital downloads um, because I think what has changed is I had signed up for a Pixel Scrapper subscription. So you could basically get, you pay a monthly fee, basically get unlimited downloads. Well, I think previously when I would buy digital products, then I would go through, right? I'd unzip it and I'd file it away and et cetera, et cetera. But with the Pixel Scrapper stuff, it's pretty easy just to download whatever kind of play around and see if, oh, well, maybe that's something I want to use. Maybe I don't. At this point, some of this I have done. I don't even know if I'm going to like save it and keep it or at some point it's served its purpose. I can just delete it and move on. So I need to maybe evaluate what my process is going to be with that versus just willy-nilly downloading product to play around with. Maybe take some time to see like, okay, is this something that I think I'm going to want to use going forward? Yes. Then get it into my system and if not delete it and move on yes you know this has become an increasing problem for me as well and i would say there's multiple reasons um it's really it's kind of it's both my desktop and my downloads folder because sometimes things end up going to your desktop and sometimes things are automatically downloaded i it's a giant mess And one of the reasons is because I have done an increasing number of using digital assets in my photo books, um, downloading cut files, you know, just being, even though I'm still creating in a more tangible way for the most part, doing more digital and hybrid things on the side has increased that. But even more so, just the number of digital files uh, in my work life as a whole, particularly since I've been working at home for the past 11 months. So now I have, you know, downloads from my university work and downloads from Simple Scrapper and like personal life downloads, and they're all in one place together. And I, I used to have at least some separation of that. And now it's it's a giant mess. And I, I need to come up with some better solutions and, and homes for those files, which maybe had different homes before. 
Yeah. Um, I, I'm always a fan of a good category, right? Like as much yeah. as I don't want to be like labeled and put into a category myself, uh, I like to do that with my products and my supplies. So I think that sounds like a plan. I would say too, for me, and maybe this just kind of came to me again, like we said, talking through things that I have other kind of things scheduled, right? I have a schedule where once a month, I really look at my photo library and make sure that's tidy. And maybe that's something I should put into practice with things like my digital downloads, where maybe it doesn't need to be an ongoing thing is that, you know, in the moment you're, you're, you're creating, you don't want to take the time. So maybe it's something that I postpone, but if it's scheduled, then I know I'll get to it. Yes, I think there is something really to that. And and I think all these issues that we've highlighted are why our next Your Way workshop is on digital clutter. Because whether you do any digital scrapbooking, hybrid scrapbooking, using uh, electronic die cut machines, whether you even have any digital creative things, we all have digital files um, you know, PDF downloads, random screenshots we take. We all have some sort of a digital clutter. And I think the more that we can work together to develop some systems and strategies and learn from one another, I think the more we are better able to have systems that can support when we are using uh, digital assets as part of our creating. Well, and I think just to hopefully eliminate or decrease that sense of overwhelm sometimes where you go in and you know, digital clutters no less frustrating or overwhelming than physical clutter, right? Um, when you're actually trying to use a device and you can't find what you need, it's just as frustrating. But yeah, well, just even to acknowledge that it's a that it's a thing, um, and you know, there's a lot of conversation and and kind of friendly argument about do we need to care about how many digital things we save because storage is, you know, quote unquote cheap. And I think that's a completely different conversation Um, because whether you save things, that's, that ends up being a personal choice, but the fact that we're acquiring them and often in times that they're, they kind of pile up. It's, you know, our desktop and our downloads folder are literally the flat surfaces of our computers. They're like things pile up, um, even if you have practices in place, you know, some, sometimes things get away from you. And so I think it's so important to just recognize this as a similar problem, just like those countertops that we have in our kitchens. <laughs> or just like your embellishment folder, right? They were tidy, they were organized, but you couldn't necessarily find what you were looking for. Yes, yes, for sure. So digital clutter will also be kind of a fun part of our upcoming refresh retreat. And I'm also excited to really dig into some fun use your stash projects as well. Because I'm I'm super intrigued by almost like I'm at a place in my organization where I need to do some decluttering. And I, I realized that my I've kind of filled the storage that I have and I, I can't change the size of my space. Uh, and while I can buy new containers, really I've kind of maxed things out. So I need to start using or getting rid of some things. And I'm super intrigued by this idea of like taking leftovers or things that you don't really know what to do with and finding kind of a creative use and making it a challenge to get some of those things used up in one way or another. That is definitely a satisfying process for sure. Oh, for sure. Like, you know, thickers that have no more ease in the collections, you know, there's... (laughs) There's so many different types of supplies like that. And I think we're going to have some fun um, 
during refresh. And then, of course, later in the journey, we will have our next session of Stash Bash as well, which will be more focused on the decluttering and organization part. So, like, this whole journey, I'm just, I'm here for it for sure. (laughs) Well, good. That's exciting. Yes. All right. Anything else that we haven't covered in our conversation today? I feel like we've made good time here and been efficient. Oh, well, that doesn't always happen, does it? (laughs) (laughs) No, it doesn't. But sometimes, yeah, sometimes we can get it done. Good. All right, Kim, thank you so much. And for everyone listening, please remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way. If you like the podcast, you'll love being a member. When you join, you'll get access to weekly Zoom crops, bi-monthly retreats, and a huge content library. You can head over to simplescrapper.com slash membership to learn more and join our creative community.